Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's definitely part of the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We've been talking about current global events. Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels since he's retired. We'll speak with Jim as well. It is March, or I should say January the 27th, and on this day in 1948, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, the political and spiritual leader of the Indian independence movement, was assassinated in New Delhi by a Hindu extremist. Born the son of an Indian official in 1869, uh, Gandhi's mother was deeply religious and early on exposed her son to Jainism, a morally rigorous Indian religion that advocated nonviolence. Gandhi was an unremarkable student, but in 1888 was given an opportunity to study in law in England. In 1891, he returned to India, but failing to find regular legal work, he accepted in 1893 a one-year contract in South Africa. Settling in Natal, he was subjected to racism and South African laws that restricted the rights of Indian laborers. Gandhi later recalled one such incident in which he was removed from a first-class railway compartment and thrown off the train, as well as his moment of truth. From there on, he decided to fight injustice and defend his rights as an Indian and a man. When his contract expired, he spontaneously decided to remain in South Africa and launched a campaign against legislation that would deprive Indians of a right to vote. He formed the Natal Indian Congress and drew international attention to the plight of Indians in South Africa. In 1906, the Transvaal government sought to further restrict the rights of Indians, and Gandhi organized his first campaign of mass civil disobedience. After seven years of protest, he negotiated a compromise agreement with the South African government. In 1914, Gandhi returned to India and lived a life of abstinence and spirituality on the periphery of Indian politics. He supported Britain in his first world war, but in 1919 launched a new protest of Britain's mandatory military draft of Indians. Hundreds of thousands answered his call to protest, and by 1920, he was leader of the Indian movement for independence. He reorganized the Indian National Congress as a political force and launched a massive boycott of British goods, services, and institutions in India. Then in 1922, he abruptly called off the protest when violence erupted. One month later, he was arrested by British authorities for sedition, found guilty, and imprisoned. After his release in 1924, he led an extended fast in protest of the Hindu-Muslim violence. In 1928, he returned to national politics when he demanded dominion status for India, and in 1930 launched a mass protest against the British salt tax, which hurt India's poor. In his most famous campaign of civil disobedience, Gandhi and his followers marched to the Arabian Sea, where they made their own salt by evaporating seawater. The march, which resulted in the arrest of Gandhi and 60,000 others, earned new international respect for Gandhi and support for the leader of his uh, movement. 
1931, Gandhi was released to attend the Roundtable Conference on India in London as the sole representative of the Indian National Congress. The meeting was a great disappointment, and after he returned to India, he was again imprisoned. While in jail, he led another fast in protest of British government's treatment of the untouchables, the impoverished and degraded Indians who occupied the lowest tiers of the caste system. In 1934, he left the Indian Congress party to work for the economic development of India's many poor. His protege, Nehru, was named leader of the party in his place. With the outbreak of the World War II, Gandhi returned to politics and called for Indian cooperation with the British war effort in exchange for independence. Britain refused and sought to divide India by supporting conservative Hindu and Muslim groups. In response, Gandhi launched the Quit India movement in 1842, which called for the total British withdrawal. Gandhi and other national leaders were imprisoned until 1944. In 1945, a new government came to power in Britain, and negotiations for India's independence began. Gandhi sought a unified India, but the Muslim League, which had grown in influence during the war, disagreed. After protracted talks, Britain agreed to create the two new independent states of India and Pakistan on August 15, 1947. Gandhi was greatly distressed by the partition and bloody violence soon broke out between Hindus and Muslims in India. In an effort to end India's religious strife, he resorted to fasts and visits to troubled areas. He was on one such vigil in New Delhi when uh, Godsi, a Hindu extremist who objected to Gandhi's tolerance of Muslims, fatally shot him. Known as Mahatma, or the Great Soul, during his lifetime, Gandhi's persuasive methods of civil disobedience influenced leaders of civil rights movements around the world, especially Martin Luther King Jr., of course, in the United States. Again, Gandhi, great Gandhi, the pacifist, civil disobedience, assassinated on this day in 1948. What a life, and what a contribution to humanity. Well, Collier County saw more than 1.6 million visitors in 2022. That fell short of the record set in 2019 before COVID, of course. Still, the number edged closer to the all-time high of more than 1.9 million reached a few years ago. In 2022, visitation rose by 3% over the year to 1,627,100, up from 1,580,000 in 2021. The year-over increase... Uh, your increase could have been greater if it hadn't been for the rough fourth quarter, of course, which brought us Ian. In the final quarter of the year, the local tourism industry fought to find its footing after taking a beating from the Hurricane Ian in late September and then faced disruptions from mass flight cancellations during the holiday season. To me, it's just amazing that uh, we actually had that ho- many uh, tourists coming into Collier County in spite of the fact that Ian came right through and uh, destroyed parts of Collier County for oh, a long time. Amazing. Well, you can certainly tell the folks are here now. Kevin McCarthy said he's looking forward to talking with Biden about a reasonable and responsible way that we can lift the debt ceiling when they meet for their first time on the matter. The California Republicans said that the event will be at the White House and the first the two have talked face-to-face about the matter since McCarthy won the speakership earlier in the month. I want to sit down together, work out an agreement that we can move forward to to put us on a path to balance and at the same time not put any of our debt in jeopardy at the same time, McCarthy said. Uh, Social Security and Medicare are off the table for the discussions. Well, that's good. 
So uh, we'll see how that turns out. It's going to be a long and protracted discussion, I'm quite sure. Probably come down to the 11th hour in June. Also this weekend, Ronna McDaniel was re-elected to her position as a Republican National Committee chairwoman after the vote was held on Friday. She received 111 of the 167 votes. The winner needed a simple majority to, uh, of the votes cast. Dillon received 51, uh, Lindell 4, and former New York gubernatorial candidate and Congressman Lee Zeld received 1. After results were announced, the chairwoman called up opponents Harmy Dillon and Mike Lindell and thanked them for a competitive race. We heard you, grassroots. We know, McDaniel said, the Democrats are going to hear us in 2024 when we take back the White House and the Senate. Well, I certainly hope so. In my view, a new broom sweeps clean, but the people who in charge have spoken. They've made their vote. I hope McDaniel did hear, and I hope that she does uh, create a, a path for victory in 2024. Well, this didn't make any headlines in the mainstream media, but the latest GDP report brought ominous news on the economic front. Real disposable income saw its worst drop in 2022 since 1932 during the Great Depression, near 90 years. Real disposable income fell by over 6% in a trillion dollars, but perhaps most troubling is the precipitous drop in real disposable income, which fell over $1 trillion in 2022. For context, this is the second largest percentage drop in real disposable income ever, behind only 1932, the worst year of the Great Depression. To keep up with inflation, consumers are depleting their savings and burning through the stimulus checks they received in 2020 and 2021. Credit card debt continues growing while savings plummeted, $1.6 trillion last year, falling below 2009 levels. As consumers continue depleting cash reserves and borrowing costs are rising, the growth in consumer spending will keep slowing. Since consumer spending accounts for roughly two-thirds of GDP, this doesn't bode well for the economy. So just how much pain is the consumer feeling? The average family lost $6,000 in annual purchasing power, under Biden because of prices have risen, risen so much faster than wages. Also, higher interest rates have created annual borrowing costs of $1,400, so the average family effectively lost $7,400 less in their annual budget. $7,400, that's a lot of money. It's hard to make ends meet. Former President Donald Trump visited the first two primary states, New Hampshire and South Carolina, on Saturday as his 2024 presidential campaign officially hit the road. Trump delivered the keynote address at the New Hampshire Republican Party's annual meeting in Salem, New Hampshire, on Saturday morning. He reaffirmed his advocacy for New Hampshire's status as the first primary state in the nation, drawing strong applause from those in attendance, and he pledged to preserve it for many, many years to come if elected president. We're going to go turn New Hampshire into a red state in 2024, he asserted, uh, who recently re uh, polled three points ahead of President Joe Biden remains the lone GOP candidate in the race. CNN reported that he also bashed the media as many mainstream uh, legacy outlets and networks like CNN have attempted to brand his campaign as being off to a sluggish start as he's not held one of his trademark rallies. They, he, they said... Uh, He's not doing rallies. Maybe he's lost that step. I'm uh, more angry now than I'm, I'm more committed than ever, said Trump. 
Trump also put forth a number of videos laying out strong policy platforms on many issues, including a comprehensive plan to protect free speech, a vision to take on drug cartels in a fashion similar to the Islamic State, and a plan to protect America's economic crown jewels from the communist China. These uh, videos also coincided with a substantial 15-point surge in his favorability since uh, December, which were documented in a recent Economist uh, YouGov poll. Also, his remarks in New Hampshire, the 45th president headed down to South Columbia, South Carolina. We held his first official campaign event and was flanked by early supporters Lindsey Graham and Governor Henry McMaster. Uh, I'm thrilled to be back in the great state of South Carolina. We won it twice by record numbers, and it's just a real honor. It's an incredible place, said Trump. The famous saying goes, South Carolina picks presidents. This campaign will be about the future. The campaign will be about issues. He later said, Joe Biden has put America on the fast track to ruin and destruction. And we're going to ensure that he does not receive four more years, said uh, Trump. By the way, he ended up stopping at a fast food place, and uh, the server said, like, can I play w- pray with you? And uh, he said, absolutely. And the, right there, a prayer with the president, President Trump. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. Most health plans don't cover international travel, so if you want to travel with confidence, you can do so with internationalhealthplans.com. You can get a free quote by calling 591-1715 or going to the website internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called historycentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So we're going to talk about current global events, and right now you're in Tel Aviv, and there's so much going on right now in Israel and uh, the Palestine. Maybe you can tell us about it. Absolutely, Bob. I'm not even sure where to start. So um, I guess I'll start that last week on Wednesday, I guess it was. Um, No, Thursday, excuse me. Last week on Thursday, um, Israeli troops went into the town of Janine with the uh, goal of arresting two uh, potential terrorists. Um, when they went to try to arrest them, or three, uh, a, firefight, a firefight broke out, and um, nine other or nine altogether terrorists ended up being killed in that firefight. Um, and um, that sort of sort of started this new round of violence that's been going on for a long time, to say the least, at this point. On Friday night. Um, a Palestinian terrorist um, came into an, one of the neighborhoods of Jerusalem and outside a synagogue just started firing and shooting people. Mm. He ended up shooting seven people to death and wounding another, um, another I think, another eight or nine people. The following day, there was another terror attack, uh, this time also in, in East Jerusalem, and um, the Israeli cabinet met and decided to take a number of responses, including sealing the homes of the of the terrorist families. The second terrorist, I might say, it's hard to say terrorist, the kid was 13. Mm. But a 13-year-old terrorist um, shot, and they sealed the homes. They're talking about expelling the families. It's not at all clear. Um, and that's one side of the picture. On the other, no, there's two more sides of this picture at this moment. Uh, on the other level, uh, demonstrations continue across the board at the attempt of um, what he calls reform, what others call a, um, a total re- redoing of the Israeli uh, governmental system. This is the attempt by Prime Minister Netanyahu to eliminate any sort of judicial um, review of government actions. That's the bottom line of what he's trying to do, is eliminate all judicial review of government actions. Uh, part of that reason has to do with the fact that he wants to find a way of canceling his own trial. He's on trial for bribery and other related crimes, and mm. that trial is ongoing. Um, so current demonstrations are across the board. He met on Friday with leading the leading business sectors. He was hoping to get support. He made some sort of argument that this would be good for the economy. They weren't buying it. And most of the leaders of the business sectors have came out against it, and 
the meantime, a number of businesses have announced the fact they're pulling their money out of the country and other related things. Mm. So uh, that whole system is moving forward. Um, the reality is there's very little to stop them because uh, part of the problem in the Israeli system is once you have a majority in the parliament, there's almost nothing you can do to stop that. Um, so they're moving forward with their reforms or however you want to define it, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there's wide, widespread opposition uh, across the board to it at this point. So interesting. Then on the other front, according to American sources, Israel attacked Iranian uh, munitions factories deep inside of Iran yesterday. Um, the Iranians claim it wasn't successful. Independent sources all claim it was quite successful. It's not even clear how many places were, were attacked at this point. Um, but uh, those it looks like these were places where Iran was uh, producing missiles and or drones. The Ukrainians seem to be pretty happy that Israel took out some, or may have taken out some of the Iranian drone drone production. Mm-hmm. So, um, an awful lot that's uh, going on at the same time. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of um, how should we say it? Uh, uh, a lot of plates in the air. Absolutely, I mean it's uh, it's remarkable to me that Israel would strike Iran, and it's understandable, but that's uh, that certainly escalates the situation between Iran and Israel. Right. I mean, you know, they've been ongoing. Israel uh, supposedly, and this is supposedly, struck a convoy of Iranian um, Iranian trucks that were crossing into Syria last night, destroying six of the trucks, uh, and those were supposedly or expectingly carrying weapons for Hezbollah. Um, also, also should be noted that last week, the largest joint American-Israeli um, military uh, maneuvers took place, and this included significant air and naval resources working together. Mm-hmm. And this was the largest maneuvers that ever took place between Israel and the United States uh, as a message to Iran. So, look, the reality is the... Nuclear agreement is long gone. It's not coming back, and Iran is moving forward towards building a bomb, and the United States has repeatedly said that the United States will not allow Iran to get the bomb, and Israel has said that. So the question is, you know, what are the choices at this point? Well, and uh, the question is, what kind of damage did Israel create with this strike? I mean, I hope it was substantial. Do we know? Well, according to the Iranians, not at all. According to other reports, substantial. So it's unknown. It's one of those things. That uh, in speaking to somebody who might know, I said, "Well, who you know, who knows what happened?" And he said, "Well, some people know what happened." So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> right? That's the reality. Yeah, and they're not telling the press. Yeah. By the way, in a related note, actually relates more to China, but uh, I had breakfast with a friend uh, yesterday who's a military veteran, uh, a naval veteran, and uh, he said that we lost an F fifteen in uh, the China Sea, and uh, that uh, was quite concerned about it re- being recovered by the Chinese or foreign foreign countries. Have you heard anything about that? An F-15? Yeah. Okay, I'm. Not, it's not clear. I mean, F-15s are not flown by the Navy. Oh, so, may, so maybe I've got that. I mean, it, it is a uh, modern technology plane that... Uh, right, so the F-18 is the, uh, is the, is the plane that generally carrier based at this point. Uh-huh. We've started um, 
We, we started deploying a limited number of F-35s to the carriers. I don't think we've deployed them there. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always a concern. Look, the Chinese have been hacking directly into our military industrial complex, so to speak, getting designs. If you look at any of their later planes, they look like copies of American planes. And one of the, one of the things that's very concerning, it came out um, today or yesterday, was the fact that even though um, the, Iranian, excuse me, the Chinese nuclear program is supposedly sanctioned, it seems that most of their computers are all running American ships. Yeah, I read so that as well. For decades, that's been prohibited So uh, by agreement. Right, so one of, it's one of these big problems. And, you know, it's always easy to say you know, we're going to sanction. Well, you know, it's it's pretty easy to stop someone from selling a, an aircraft carrier to someplace, right, yeah. or a big ship. Ships are small. And they're international markets, and, you know, someone in Belgium buys the chips, and who knows where they end up in the end. It's a very problematic situation. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Russia. Russia's getting a lot of chips, it seems, from third parties also. If you're willing to pay for it, there's always going to be someone who's shady who's going to sell it to you. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I read that uh, this morning that uh, apparently in Australia uh, they lost uh, a, a cargo of... Uh, uh, of radioactive cargo, radioactive very, very small amounts of radioactive Yes, the size of a uh, penny. <laughs> right, and there's massive searching going on for that at the moment. Yeah, because radioactive, even the size of a penny, can kill you. Absolutely, with, without doubt. So, yeah, but, we have all these ways to kill each other, and uh, and the other side of sanctions is so difficult, and so problematic. Mark, if we got so much yeah. more to talk about, can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, any update on what's happening in Ukraine? Well, I mean, the war itself is still mostly static. The Russians are making small advances in this one little area in southern Ukraine. Um, And, you know, the big announcement this week was the decision by almost all the Western powers together to start sending uh, modern battle tanks to Ukraine. Um, This will take some time until it gets there, until it can be included in in their military. Uh, But it could make a significant difference in giving them the offensive power they may need to take back from the territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, the Russians keep on trying to bomb the power plants and the power grid and anything anything to make the Ukrainians' um, lives miserable. Um, but, it, you know, one of the things we've talked about before, it's been a warm winter in Europe, by and large. And so um, the climate has has not gone along with the Russians well. So, so that's, that's a very positive thing, that Europe is not frozen over this over this winter yeah so i mean uh apparently uh zelensky a couple of weeks ago said that he wanted to sit down and have a peace discussion with putin now he says he doesn't want to have any peace discussions with putin no where do we stand with that we're going nowhere with that putin has not changed his goal which is to take all of take over all of ukraine and zelensky hasn't changed his goal which is to remove the russians from the areas they took Mm-hmm. Uh, could there be some sort of agreement where the Russians keep Crimea? Possibly, but again, uh, that's where they started. So it doesn't seem to me that the Russians are going to agree to that. Until look, listen, Putin is is off on an edge here, and I, I do not see any settlement as long as Putin is in charge. Plus, there's the issue that the Russians have have committed a long series of war crimes. Yeah, a long, long series of war crimes, and the question is, can they? Can the world look the other way after they've created so many war crimes in the in the past uh, in the past year? It's really um, hard to under to overstate. Excuse me, how many different war crimes the Russians have committed in this attack? So, so maybe, couldn't this be addressed in, in the uh, in, in the Hague, for example? Uh, after the yeah, of course it could be addressed in the Hague, but that would mean they'd have to agree to, to let letting the Hague decide. Putin's never going to agree to that. But it doesn't matter if he agrees to it or not. I mean, they could still have a trial there and uh, and uh, have uh, consequences as a result of his actions. Well, what consequences as a result of his actions? If, you know, he's not going to agree to be, be tried, then if he's still leader of the Russia, that's not going to work very well. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are no easy solutions here other than Putin. You know, the end of Putin is the only easy solution here. And anyone thinking anything else, I think, is making a mistake. Mm. Um, it's a shame. It's sad. It's terrible because lots of people are dying. Yeah. Um, but it's all aggression by the Russians. I mean, people need to understand that there's nothing else here but aggression by Russia for no particular reason. Yeah. And so many are dying. It's so unfortunate. So let's let's move to news in the Czech Republic. It looks like the uh, the landscape is changing as a result of an election. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's not changing drastically. The new president is was uh, a commander in NATO, 
He was a well-respected uh, Czech um, Czech general. He very much a European in terms of integration with Europe, integration with NATO. Um, he was running against the populist businessmen and the Czechs who have a long and uh, you know long history. Don't really like populists too much, and of course they're, are more anti. Russian and the average European. I mean, the people who are the strongest supporters of Ukraine are those countries that have once been occupied by Russia. Uh-huh. It's Poland, it's it's the Czech Republic, less so Hungary, but that's a different story altogether. Um, but Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, all those countries are 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 the most pro-Ukrainians of all the uh, European countries. And the new Czech president is very much uh, very much pro-Ukrainian, very much pro-supporting Ukraine. Um, and um, also very much pro NATO, and so this will be a this is a plus for NATO and uh, further in- integration of the Czech Republic in, in NATO, which they're already quite you know quite quite a bit a part of. Did I, I read believe. that uh, he's actually supportive of Taiwan and actually wanted to make a visit? Yes, he's he's Western all the way. Yeah, I mean it, it's pretty pretty impressive. I mean it, that uh, that's to uh, that's pretty much in the face of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, absolutely, and I have to say, I mean, I, I visited Prague this past summer. It's a beautiful city, so I, re- I recommend to all your listeners if you're going to Europe, Prague is a great place, and it's a relatively inexpensive because it's it's not part of the euro system, and it's still part of all the cities and all the countries in Eastern Europe are still a little cheaper than Western Europe. Yeah, so. appreciate the recommendation. Also, uh, uh, Brazil and Argentina are considering some sort of a common currency. What do you make of that? I don't know. It's an interesting question. In other words, South America has remained uh, very nationalistic, um, and um, there's certainly a place for for greater integration in South America. You know, we look at we, we look at the history of North America versus South America, and it's so different. Leaving aside the origins and the Spanish and all of that, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of these countries could certainly. Um, could certainly go for a greater integration. I mean, maybe not a, a union or not even the EU type, but certainly a, a, a common market, so to speak, of South American countries. Yeah. Um, it brings prosperity, look. so Interesting. And finally, uh, France, uh, Macron wants to increase the retirement age to 64. Of course, it's meeting with a lot of resistance and uh, protests in France. Uh, you know, to me, it looks like we're finally seeing countries face the music with regard to their retirement plans and their their expenses. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, the French have always there's always been a problem with the French. I mean, I said this to a French person I know the other day. You know, you people just don't want to work. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that, that's I mean, it's nice if you can do it. What the heck? You know, sit around, have coffee in cafes, and relax all day, and now eh, work an hour or two here. I'll take a three-month vacation. I mean, it's all good and well, right? If you can afford it, you can do it. Don't forget the I'm nap every day. obviously. What? Don't forget the nap every day. Right. So <laughs> I'm exaggerating, obviously. Yeah. And obviously. I'm sure there are a lot of French people who work very hard and everything yeah. else. But no, it's a real issue. I mean, the retirement age needs to go up everywhere in, in the world because we're all living longer, thankfully. Right. And therefore, our systems aren't designed for us to retire at 60, 61, and then live for another, hopefully, 40 years. I mean... You can't work for 30 years and retire for 40 years. The math just doesn't work. Right. I will say the the life expectancy in the United States is going down for some unimaginable reason. Well, I mean, there's, 
there are three reasons, in my opinion, why the life expectancy has gone down in the last two years. I mean, one, of course, clearly is COVID. You can believe what you want about COVID, but people died. Yeah. So when people die, you know, before they would normally have died, whatever, whatever that means. Right. So that brings down your life expectancy. Um, continued violence, gun violence. I mean, look, we saw what happened in California this past week. Yeah. Um, people, when people die of uh, gunshots, that also counts. You know, your life expectancy um, is based not on you know whether you're going to get a heart attack or not. It's based on the average person, how long they live, and every person who was shot dead at a younger age yeah. brings down the life expectancy. And C, I mean, America a, has an obesity problem, yep. and B has uneven health care. Let's put it that way. Yeah. America has some of the best health care in the world, and some people just don't get the health care they desire. And, of course, there's this overall problem of a lack of enough health care in rural America. Uh, so all these things contribute, which is really sad, because America's life expectancy should be going up. Absolutely. Not down. Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you'll check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Take care. You too. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He's the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're a private, nonprofit educational foundation headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Our purpose is to inspire and educate young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, entrepreneurship, private property, and personal character. And we do that not only through our a very robust website, fee, F-E-E dot org, uh, where we post daily fresh commentary seven days a week, but also through the programs that we do online uh, and in person with student audiences all over the world. Terrific organization. If you have a young person in your life, high school or college age, I encourage you to have them visit the website, fee.org, F-E-E dot org. There you wrote an interesting piece, Why Heroes Matter, and now more than ever, Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. Uh, I think you, every one of your listeners, Bob, uh, I'm sure, have, uh, has noticed that uh, the world uh, is really in turmoil in so many ways these days, and not in the most obvious uh, ways, uh, at least that's not what I'm referring to, such as the invasion of Ukraine, but in our personal lives, mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be more... Uh, nastiness. Uh, there's cancel culture, there's more class warfare, there's character assassination. And in our political life, of course, there's just constant uh, conflict and strife and personal uh, uh, attacks. And I think it's time that we look for ways to uh, get away from that and look for the good in people. And one way to do that is to uh, think about, read about, talk about uh, people who are genuine heroes. Uh, not only uh, around us today, still living, but in the past, people who lived uh, to high standards of personal character because uh, they are models uh, that can guide us to uh, a, a higher level than we're on today. Absolutely. In fact, I've read your book. It's fantastic, uh, Real Heroes. And uh, one of the heroes you cite is Cicero. Yes. Yes, Cicero is... Uh, Near and dear to my heart, I have uh, long had a passion for his writings and for what he stood for. Cicero was the last great defender of the old Roman Republic before it descended into uh, violence and conflict and then the uh, uh, dictatorship of the empire. He was the one who, in the face of all possible odds, was working to restore the old virtues of individual liberty and limited government. Uh, he was fighting the uh, rising uh, powers uh, uh, in the form of uh, Mark Antony and Julius Caesar, trying to restore those old liberties. Uh, and uh, he paid for all that with his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking back on it today, I think uh, historians are uh, nonetheless quite uh, inspired by his story of courage and conviction. Probably extended the uh, the empire for a considerable time because of his influence on the Roman Republic. Uh, one of my heroes is a guy that we talked about earlier in the show, is Mahatma Gandhi. This is the anniversary of his assassination in 1948, I believe it was. 
Uh, his contributions through peaceful resistance are just remarkable in the life that he led. That's right. Uh, and I think even many uh, in Britain regard him very highly today, even though he led the resistance against uh, the British Empire in India. Um, so, yeah, there are people like that uh, literally uh, all th- uh, throughout history that uh, we're in danger of forgetting. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially with cancel culture, to be able to look back on our history and to see, uh, I'm sure we have heroes today that will be acknowledged in 20 or 30 years, but, uh, uh, you know, everything from Winston Churchill to so many others have just made such great contributions in in the face of so much danger and resistance. It's incredible. Yes, and all those stories are, are so inspiring. And growing up in western Pennsylvania, I came to admire uh, Roberto Clemente as a great uh, hero. He was a major league baseball player, uh, played for the Pittsburgh Pirates for 18 years, and what a man he was. Still honored uh, to this day, not only by uh, Pirate fans, but people from all over the country who remember what a quality person he was, how he spent his uh, uh, personal time in training young people in Puerto Rico to learn baseball, and uh, tragically he was killed in a plane crash uh, that was carrying supplies that he was financing uh, to Nicaragua in the wake of the 1972 earthquake. Uh, you know, he was just uh, a hero. Yeah, and, and I think that happened on Christmas Day or close, uh, something like that. Unbelievable. New Year's Eve, I think. New Year's Eve it was, yeah. Uh, an amazing man. And I think they still have the Roberto Clemente Award for character uh, in baseball. So. Uh, he made quite a contribution. Larry, I just really appreciate your contribution here on the show. The the, the website, again, is fee.org, F-E-E.org. People in your life, high school or college age, please introduce them to the, uh, to the website. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, the times are changing, and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional, somber, formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning to a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. On Sunday, February the 19th, at Hodges Life Celebration Center, it's located on Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, they're going to host a community open house and reception from 2 to 4 p.m. with a ribbon cutting and champagne toast at 3.15. The new facility reflects the latest innovation in funeral services by the Hodges brand. It's dynamic in its capacity to accommodate both traditional and non-traditional funerals and memorials, said Michelle Matusik, the funeral director. Uh, But we're also eager to extend our facility to the uh, community as a gathering place for those wanting to host a special brunch or luncheon amongst friends or perhaps a dinner in honor and anniversary of a milestone event. We offer catering services second to none, she says. By the way, special guest is Mrs. Thelma Hodges. She's such a wonderful woman. I had the pleasure of dining with her one evening, and uh, she's the uh, widow of former Earl Hodges, who passed away in 2013. Uh, she has quite a history herself, and she's made quite a contribution. And she's 94 years old. She's going to be the special guest at the event. Uh, the past year, the infatigable uh, Thelma, Thelma Hodges, was honored by NCH as a pioneer nurse. At 94, she remains bright and keenly recollective, recollective of regarding all things in Southwest Florida. So true. What a great conversationalist she is. All right, coming up, I hope you'll, uh, again, uh, you can, for if, to uh, make reservations, you can call Hodges at 
366-5333. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare your elected officials to win in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books, his latest is No Problem, Murder Mystery, located in Washington, D.C. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. As always, it's a pleasure to join you. Um, you know, I've been reading the papers, and I see that uh, President Biden is on the campaign trail already. Today, he travels uh, about an hour north of the White House to Baltimore to uh, trumpet the uh, the building of a $4.7 billion railroad tunnel for Amtrak. And, and the following day, he's going to go to New York City to talk, to brag about another tunnel. Uh, the, the government, thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure bill, is throwing $66 billion at Amtrak for improvements, uh, claiming, you know, and Biden's selling point is it will create 20 to 30,000 uh, 30, blue-collar unionized jobs. 
uh, but we people who, who lived in Washington and New York know that the real beneficiaries of this spending on Amtrak, which parenthetically loses a billion dollars a year in, in operating costs, we know that beneficiaries are the wealthy elite from Wall Street and Washington, D.C., yeah. who, who use it. So, so, Jim, so hey, you're, I, you're, you're just a little faint. I don't know if you're using some equipment to get through, but uh, if you're able to okay. uh, speak up a little bit, that'd be helpful. Okay, I, I will. I'll shout. <laughs> um, but again, again, I, I just want to say that, you know, the Amtrak, it's really a, a travel, it's a vehicle used by the elite on Wall Street and, yep. and along uh, Connecticut Avenue to, to shuttle back and forth. It's, uh, it's so East tax doctors, dollars do not benefit people who live in central Pennsylvania or Florida or any other place in the country. Uh, it's money. Uh, benefiting the elite on this East Coast uh, corridor. And what I find uh, appalling is that with our military experts claiming that a conflict over Taiwan with China within two years is inevitable, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we're throwing $66 billion at an existing boondoggle, it, it, it's like, uh, think of a, a kingdom of uh, yore where uh, the, the hordes are approaching and the king, instead of erecting walls around his city, spends all the money on fancy carriages. I mean, it's uh, it's just appalling that, that uh, the priorities are uh, so askew given the condition of the world. And uh, parenthetically, if I'm not mistaken, Antrac operates at a loss. Uh, yes, in their latest budget, they project a billion-dollar loss every year in perpetuity. <laughs> There's some some budgeting for you. So is that a program that you want to sustain? Uh, uh, I, I don't think so. The other thing I, I heard, maybe from you, is that the cost uh, – I can recall taking a trip to New York on Amtrak from Washington, D.C. It was, I don't know, 30 50 bucks, something like that. I heard the prices are now up to like $300 a ticket. Uh, yes, the tickets can rival an airline, uh, especially on the Acela train, which supposedly is the uh, high-speed alternative to regular carriage service. But in actuality, uh, both services uh, – are plagued by all kinds of uh, delays. So, um, and another thing I would like to point out is that with the ascension of electric vehicles, especially the type pioneered by Tesla, Mm -hmm. which have ever-improving self-driving capabilities, uh, these vehicles will render trains obsolete because you know, if uh, you take the the human element out of car operation, it's going to substantially reduce tie-ups on highways like uh, Route 95. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the traffic jams you see on highways are due to excessive braking or rubbernecking. Mm-hmm. And so in the future, as this technology gets better and better, and it is improving, uh, nobody will want to ride the train because the cars will get you from point A to point B 
and uh, much more efficiently. Yeah, in fairness, I mean, the, the whole notion of uh, trains for freight, I think, serve a really important uh, capacity in our economy. So we, we need that. But the fact that the passenger trains have just been <laughs> a total flop. And, uh, and and are they still planning on building the uh, the railway between uh, San Francisco and, and Los Angeles? Well, they are building it, but it it seems like it's such a boondoggle. I don't know if it will continue. Yeah. Um, you know, as a rule of thumb, you should double the price of the government's initial estimate of a rail project. For example, in in Washington, the metro uh, is constructing a silver line from downtown D.C. out to Dulles Airport, which is about 25 miles away. Uh-huh. Uh it was supposed to cost $3 billion. It was supposed to be finished in 2018. It's not finished. Uh, nobody can say when it will be finished. And it's the total cost is now up to $6 billion. Yeah. So, you, you know, railroads and boondoggles, uh, I mean, uh, you can't separate one from the other. And uh, let's throw unions in there as well <laughs> on top of the boondoggle. So, it's you know, it's such government wasted. You know, we work hard for, for our incomes. We pay taxes, and it's just so discouraging and disappointing to see how the money is wasted in so many different ways. Uh, now, in Baltimore, what are they building, a, a, a tunnel? Yes, it's about two miles long. Uh, the existing tunnel, which is 150 years old, twists, and so you can't run a train through there at more than 30 miles an hour. Ah. So, is so that they the, uh, want to run trains through there at 110 miles an hour. Yeah, unbelievable. Jim McTagg, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, author of uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, no problem. Just terrific reads, Murder Mysteries. Do you have anything else that you're working on, Jim? Yeah, I'm writing, I'm writing a, a fourth murder mystery, and it's entitled Bestseller. Bestseller. Yes, that's the way I get on the bestseller list. <laughs> okay. Jim, just really appreciate your commentary and uh, your, uh, your uh, writing expertise as well. I just really enjoyed your books. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. I don't know what happened with the sound there, but nevertheless, oh, maybe I do understand what happened. <laughs> I didn't put him on the phone coupler, so uh, that explains a lot. By the way, I just want to remind you that uh, uh, Wednesday through Saturday, uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is offering dinner from 4 to 8 p.m. I hope you'll stop by and enjoy not only a great breakfast and lunch, but also Wednesday through Saturday, uh, dinner as well. Great menu, great seafood items, as well as a salmon snapper, grouper, and uh, so, some good comfort food as well. So again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Well, that's a wrap on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow, including Kathleen Pasadomo our uh, state uh, senator and also president of the uh, Florida State Senate. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And uh, Linda, my wife, will be joining us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. We really appreciate it. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>